0: Shabbat shalom, everyone. In accordance with the longstanding Jewish tradition, we will start with dessert first. And so uh, tomorrow night is uh, Hanukkah, and in the spirit of that, it's probably appropriate to explain something uniquely, beautifully, tastefully associated with Hanukkah, and that is the food that we eat. Amongst uh, different Jews from different areas, we have uh, different... I'm smiling at Jackie. Jackie Olu from Morocco. Uh, Amongst different Jews from different areas of the world, there are different traditions as to what we eat. Some of the common elements they all share is usually uh, the cooking element that they are submerged into. Amongst the Ashkenazic Jews, we know that the latke is uh, of great fame. The origin, oh, we have applause too. (laughs) Remarkable. the story goes that the, uh, the latka is, um, is a derivative of perhaps the earliest of Hanukkah foods. Um, it comes by way of a Greek dish where they would take cheese and pan fry it. As the Jews made their way uh, further west into Europe, particularly in Eastern Europe, uh, potatoes and onions were a lot more... Um, uh, certainly a lot more common than uh, cheese. And so they converted slowly, I suspect, but nonetheless, it made its way into the Latka. And much like the, um, much like the pan-fried dish, a uh, cheese, excuse me, the latka was also fried in oil and hence the culturing, so to speak, of the miracle with the oil. Amongst the Jews of uh, Sephardic, North African, Sephardic descent, uh, descent they have a particular food called a svinge, which is kind of like a Bengue. They also eat a sweet malawak. If none of this makes sense to you, I suggest that you reach out to a Moroccan Jew. And we have the phone numbers of some available if you don't know any personally. And you can certainly avail yourself to tasting either one of these beautiful treats. They are fantastic and tasteful and delicious. But I would argue that each, both the Svinja and the Malawach and the Latka, in our time, have all been eclipsed. And they've been eclipsed by the perfect storm on an historical, political level of what now is, well, if you happen to read any Israeli newspapers, you will know that roughly a week before Hanukkah, they all come out with their respective lists of the 10 best places to buy Sufkaniyot donuts in Israel. And we have more applause. I had no idea that this was going to happen on Shabbat morning like this. And uh, the, the emergence of the sufganiyah on an historical level is breathtaking because it is taking place in a very short period of time. So the question is, where does the sufganiyah come from? The earliest ideas we have about the donut becoming the sufganiyah and its association with Hanukkah begins in the 1930s. That's how short a window this is. And by and large, if you would ask Jews today, what is the most recognizable associated food with Hanukkah, I think the sufganiyah might in fact come out first, maybe quickly followed by a latke or a sphinge, depending on where you come from. But certainly the Sufkaniyah is kind of the, it's the lingua franca of the Hanukkah world. And so um, the story of the Sufkaniyah emerges with the, uh, with the uh, mass emigration of German Jews. Many went to North America. Many went to what was to be Israel. For those of you who had the opportunity to be in Berlin roughly a month before Christmas happens, you'll know that Berlin is filled with donut stands. They're in the train stations, they're on the sidewalks, they're everywhere. And when German Jews came to Israel, when Hanukkah started, they began peddling the sufkaniyah, the donut. But in particular, what they peddled is perhaps what they call in Israel the tam sholpam, it's kind of the original, original of what the Sufkania was, and that is the Jam Buster. In Berlin, it's called the Berliner. And that was the classic food that they would distribute and sell and share amongst themselves during this holiday period. And the Jews of Berlin themselves also associated and used the Berliner, the Jam Buster, amongst their celebrations. By the way, it's one of the reasons why, when John F. Kennedy stood at the Berlin Wall, in 1961, and he said famously, "Ich bin ein Berliner." All the Berliners laughed, because Berliners never call themselves Berliners. The Berliner is the donut. <laughs> anyway, this is a historical thing. Okay. So, okay, desserts out of the way. Now we'll get to the now we'll get to the meat. The uh, the second Gerer Rebbe, uh, whose name was Yehuda Arye Leib Alter. He lived roughly from 1866 to 1906, roughly around there. Um, uh, His grandfather was the first Gera Rebbe, and he took over as the second because his mother and father died when he was still an infant, and he was raised by his grandparents. And he wrote a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount. And his commentary on the Torah, called the Sfat Emet, is absolute required reading for those people who are interested in classic rabbinic interpretation of, of, of the Bible. And in this comment on Hanukkah, he says as follows. He says, pay attention that when you recite the bracha Chanukah, what you don't say. It says, Asher kitshanu lahadik ner shel Chanukah." We don't say lahadik ner chanukkah. We say shel Chanukah." And what's the difference? The difference is, is that if you were lighting the candle for the sake of what happened on Chanukah, you would say, *lahadik ner Chanukah, or b'chanukah. In other words, that you were lighting the candle as a way of remembering the miracle. But the, but the Gera Rebbe, the second Gera Rebbe says, we do not light the Chanukah candles to remember what happened all those years ago, despite the fact that we recall the history all of the time. In his language, he says, We light the candle Lahatkir score," which is to say that we light the candles not to remember, but we light the candles to inspire us. That the miracle of Hanukkah, according to the Gera Rebbe, is not something that simply happened. It is something which happens and can continue to happen if you believe. Which leads me to my third point. And that is, the ink that has been spilled amongst rabbis and historians over exactly what the miracle of Hanukkah is is seemingly endless. The debates as to whether or not it is the miracle of the oil or the military victory or something else, Rabbi Yosef Karo uh, the famous rabbi from the 15th century and his Beit Yosef goes into great detail on this. And so there is great question, and rightly so, over what the extent of the miracle was and where it came from. And so humbly I want to submit to you my interpretation of the miracle, taking into mind the words of the 2nd Gera Rebbe. See, I think this is what we celebrate on Hanukkah. And that is, when the Greeks invaded jerusalem Jerusalem, And they took over the temple. And think for a moment, all the people that were in the temple in that moment, Levites and Kohanes, and the average Israelite who was there to worship and pray, and the Greek soldiers burst in and they go running for their lives. And there is blood and there is violence everywhere and people are running to wherever they can to collect their things, their families, and run wherever they can go and rightly so, to save their lives and the lives of the people they love. But in the midst of that maelstrom of violence and hell, there was one person whose name we will never know who rather than running for their life took a bottle of oil and buried it. And they did it because they believed that the Jews would come back. And I think that that is the real miracle of Hanukkah that even in the darkest of moments, we must always believe that there will be those of us who will come back. That we hold this, not merely because we love it, but because we know in our hearts there will be those after us who will love it as much. Shabbat Shalom everyone, and Chanukah Sameach.